Hello and welcome to show number 140 on the Low Tox Life podcast. My name is Alex Stewart, your host. And I've just realized I said that in a different order than the first time ever. Ah, that's really weird. Maybe I need to say it again. Hello and welcome to the Low Tox Life podcast. I'm Alex Stewart, your host, and today is show 140, Perimenopause with Dr. Carrie Jones. That just made more sense when I said it the second way. Hilarious. Anyway, I am so thrilled to bring Carrie Jones back to the podcast. A lot of you absolutely adored the first show we did together. You got so much out of it. I got so many beautiful, positive comments. So it's a thrill to bring her back. And as a woman who is 43, nearly 44 later on this year, I know the change is coming and perimenopause can really stuff women around if we aren't ready. And just like uh, when we're trying to make a baby, we want to do preconception care. Today, we kind of want to do premenopause care. So really fine-tuning some of the lifestyle changes that we need to be aware of making that are going to give us the best chance of smoother transitioning uh, into what Carrie delightfully calls reverse puberty. So for those of you who haven't uh, actually listened to the past show or the mashup that I did um, over the summer around stress and women's health that I, um, I, I shared both Carrie and Dr. Libby's best ofs from those shows, which uh, everyone loved as well, I just wanted to share a little bit about this incredible woman that I love and adore. So she is a naturopathic physician with a master's in public health, having over 12 years of experience in the field of functional integrative medicine practicing adjunct faculty for the National University of Natural Medicine over in the US. She's taught courses in both gynecology and advanced endocrinology. She has been the medical director for two large integrative clinics in Portland, Oregon, and is currently the medical director for Precision Analytical Inc., creators of what I certainly believe to be the most cutting-edge hormone test on the market, the Dutch test. Now, today is not a show that has been paid for by the Dutch test, uh, I, I am not promoting it because I get anything out of it at all. This is just a super powerful test to really get a clear picture of not just what your hormone levels are, but how they're being metabolized, what pathways they're moving through, how that impacts your health and what you can do to radically improve your preventative care strategies as well as any symptoms or disease that might be presenting for you. So it's a really, really powerful test in a way that the blood test for hormones uh, isn't. Uh, and while it can be useful to just check your levels and make sure there's nothing too crazy going on, the Dutch test does so much more. And Carrie actually talks about the difference between the two uh, in today's show. So uh, that's going to be really helpful for everybody. So as a result, Carrie consults with the most amazing healthcare practitioners all over the world on hormone status of their patients. And she lectures, teaches and writes frequently on the same topic. I don't know someone who's more generous with their time on Instagram as a medical professional. Carrie is so passionate about not judging people, but educating and empowering them. And I want to urge everyone to head to Carrie's Instagram and follow her today, please. Um, don't wait around. Pick up your phone right now and do it. it. She's just always sharing such incredible stuff, always in good humor and with good, uh, empowering positivity to it. And as well as just telling it like it is, uh, she, um, I think that's why we get along so well. You know, you're just my kind of people. And so I know you're going to love today's chat. I just want to remind you of a couple of things before we hook into it. 
Number one, you have another couple of weeks now. If you have never tried Etitude's beautiful uh, organic bamboo bedding, sleepwear and bath essentials, now is the time. You get 15% off your first order placed on their website. No minimums. Uh, you can only use it once and no using other codes with it and everything. But your code for the 15% off is LOWTOX15. Their uh, URL that they've created for us is ettitude.com.au forward slash lowtox life. So attitude.com.au forward slash lowtox life. Your code is lowtox15 to get 15% off your first order. Now remember, buying bamboo is a minefield out there. Uh, and these guys created the world's first liar cell fabric made from 100% organic bamboo. So uh, bamboo is uh, often treated with very harsh chemicals and, uh, and not terribly low tox. So it's really important that we connect with the brands that are doing things right, and Etitude absolutely is. And they use such a dramatically low, small amount of water in their production. It's really quite admirable how they're, they're able to close the loop um, in their production. And, uh, and I know you're going to love the sheets. They just feel fabulous. So enjoy those. And then the last little thing I wanted to say was if any parents out there are thinking, I can't handle one more family dinner with child A getting upset at me about the sweet potatoes, child B putting all their broccoli on the floor, child C refusing to eat anything but white pasta, and child D having more allergies than I know how to cook for these days, um, then you need Thrive e-course, Raising Kids Who Love Real Food. It starts this Wednesday. It's hosted and live coached once a year only by me and by Brenda Janchek, a fellow uh, coach, a very good friend. We are both so passionate about this course and what it does to move the needle for families who are having any kind of challenge around their children, their food attitudes, and potentially things like immunity, gut health, stress, family mealtime issues, uh, and, and all that jazz. So if this is an area that you know you need to do some work on, but you just don't thrive on, pardon the pun, you don't thrive on just buying a course and doing it self-paced yourself throughout the year in your own time. You really thrive off having everybody in a group, motivating each other, being able to ask me and Brenda questions as you travel through the information with the rest of the group. Then come join the live course. It's 199 bucks. You get lifetime access. And that, by the way, is Australian dollars. So if you're uh, in America, that kind of translates to about 130, 140 US. Once you see it on your credit card statement or in Euro, it's about 140, uh, 150 pounds it's like one one ten so it's a really amazing value course to come out at the end with proven strategies that help make food way less stressful in your life food should be joy it should be gratitude should be celebrated and we should really be focusing on the beauty of connecting with our family a couple of times a day in a meaningful way so uh, it's it's so, so helpful to the thousands of parents who've done it since we launched it in 2014, and we only do it live once a year. Uh, so if you want to jump on that, I've got the details in the show notes. Otherwise, you can head straight to the website to join up, and it's thrivinghappykids.com forward slash thrive hyphen healthy hyphen kids.
I'll say that one more time, thrivinghappykids.com forward slash thrive hyphen healthy hyphen kids. It's going to be fun. It's going to be three weeks and I promise you there will be less screaming, tantrums, freakouts, uh, and greater immunity, greater strength, uh, greater concentration at the end of the three weeks already. And then where you take it from there, um, we see so many wonderful stories continuing on. So I really look forward to seeing you guys there. Now, let's talk perimenopause. I know it doesn't sound sexy, but it is such a useful uh, mind-shifting chat today uh, that I had with Carrie, and I hope you enjoy it as much as I do. It does the audio cut out for like two, three seconds, about three times when we chatted uh, in this chat. So thank you for your patience. It's literally just going to be eight seconds all up that there's like a tiny little disturbance and a delay on Carrie's end. Uh, and uh, other than that, everything's all good. And, uh, and I can't wait to hear what you guys think. Enjoy. Hello, Carrie Jones. How are you? <laughs> I am fantastic. <laughs> Alex, how are you doing? I'm great. Now, we need to just quickly share before we, we um, hook into today's amazing topic that Carrie and I have spent the better part of the last hour not catching up on how things have been and, and all the beautiful things about the work we're both doing, but actually troubleshooting how to make this call happen with a series of crazy internet and computer situations. So we are here and we are ready to talk perimenopause. How sexy is that? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's actually probably rather fitting because so many perimenopausal (laughs) and menopausal women are like, I get that. I get the like things not working out. I, you know, can't remember tech issues, trying to put two and two together, even though ours was all tech related and your poor computer. Um, I think a it's lot. It's a of, pretty good metaphor, actually. It's a Everything great metaphor. Yep, yeah, that's exactly what perimenopausal and menopausal women complain of. They're like, "I, I was fine, and now I'm not." Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and it's um, it's a really tricky one because it's so bio individual as well, right? So yes, let's take a look at how this stage of life is defined to kick things off. Our biology is changing, sure, but how? Right. Well, it's funny. I refer to it as reverse puberty. So if you remember all the chaos going into puberty, now you're trying to back out. And um, I, in fact, I had, I've had a few women say like reverse puberty and pregnant, but not actually having a baby. <laughs> That's how they feel when they go through perimenopause. Oh, wow. But from an actual biologic standpoint, um, you know, women were, were born with all our follicles. As far as we know, we don't, we don't make any more. Who knows, right? We might have stem cells and we can maybe induce some in the future. But as far as we know, we have all our follicles on our eggs. So as we get older, um, you know, and we go through our reproductive years, whether we reproduce or not, it doesn't matter. We lose those follicles. One, we lose every month because we ovulate usually. Mm-hmm. And the rest of them die by natural cell death. It's called atresia. And so by the time, I just read a really interesting article yesterday that said by the time women get to 45, on average, we're down to about 100 follicles. And, oh, wow. And, and it doesn't mean 100 more months of of cycles because you have natural cell death that you, you can't, you can't stop. So several of them will die just by default. Um, 
as, a, as you go along. And on each of those follicles are your cells that make hormones. So as you lose your follicles, you lose the cells that make your hormones. And some months you, you have a good follicle, so you have good cells, and then other months not so good. And so that's why women, as they head into perimenopause, they say, what is this train wreck situation that's happening? How come I had regular cycles and now I'm going, I'm, I'm bleeding every two weeks or I'm skipping, you know, every two months or three months or how come I could remember things and now I can't? How come I, I could sleep really well and now I can't? And where did all this extra weight gain come from? And the symptoms go on. Why do I have joint pain now? Why do I feel like I look older? You know, you know what what is going on with X, Y, and Z? And when you are losing the cells that make the hormones, um, eventually they're gone, gone. And now you are fully menopausal. Um, you don't get a cycle. You, you, know, you lose your period. Uh, but you can still be symptomatic for a number of years. So from a biochemistry point of view, that's actually what's happening in your ovaries. Wow. So even after you actually stop having your period, you st- still get the joy of some crazy symptoms. Definitely. Absolutely. And, mm-hmm. it, and, and if you, you can speed up the process either um, accidentally or inadvertently or genetically. And, and some women will say, um, you know, I, I, I haven't had period in two or three years, but I still get hot flashes. I still have night sweats. I still have the brain fog. And what I, what I gather, what I feel is that when you go into menopause, you know, your ovaries are a very critical part of your system. Um, mm. and, and when they're gone, when they're closed for business, like nobody really tells the adrenal glands or the thyroid or the, you know, the hypothalamus or the pituitary, like nobody really communicates with them. Like, hey, ready and left, <laughs> you're done. You know, like we're going to check out. Like we should either it's hire fun. more people or we, sh- you know, like we should pass off some of the duties. It's like somebody in your office, right? If, if a critical yeah. person of two critical people, righty and lefty, leave the building and never return and they never tell you, you're going to yeah. continue to send work and emails and, you know, projects to these people and it's not going to get done. And it's the yeah, same thing the in the body. metaphor that came into my mind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. So that's what happened. And so that's why pe- women are still symptomatic because the adrenals and the thyroid and the brain and the immune system, you know, the cardiovascular system, nobody's picking up the slack quite yet. It takes a little bit for the body to go... Oh, 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 we have to do that. <laughs> like that project's not getting done. <laughs> okay, got it. <laughs> All right. So, um, is it though, as with our periods and our cycles and all of the, um, the pains and joys that can come with those over the years, is what we do in our lifestyle and how we mitigate imbalances? Um, kind of, can all of that affect this transition in a more positive way if mm-hmm. we do certain things better? A hundred percent. You know, and we know more about ourselves. A hundred percent. I find that, and obviously there's variation. There are, there are women who are going to listen to this and they're going to say, I, I have a perfect everything and I still feel like crap. Like, I, yep, it, you, some things we just can't control. But there are definitely other women who will say, you know, when I started focusing on my sleep and I started working on my stress response and I started, you know, really be paying attention to the amount of sugar I ate and how much alcohol I was drinking or I stopped smoking or I, you know, got rid of the environmental toxicants in my house and my makeup and my exposure or whatever, I felt so much better. And I said, yeah, because you're relieving that burden 
that all these systems are having to deal with, with the loss of the ovaries on top of it. So absolutely. So it's almost like we're conserving energy spent on other parts of our Mm -hmm. bodies and other functions so that we can throw everything at this for a smoother transition. Yes. Gotcha. Yep. And I hear it all the time, right? (laughs) Women all the time will say this to me. Yep. And, yeah. and, and the younger, the better, you know, I'll have women in their forties who are like, oh crap, I should probably start eating better and I should exercise and I should go to bed sooner. And I should probably stop that glass of wine at night. Like you should, you should, but you maybe should have thought about that in your thirties because it'll just make the transition easier, smoother for the most part. So I find the younger the woman is that she starts to really hone in on her health, um, then it makes for a smoother perimenopause, menopause right from the get-go. Mm-hmm. Not perfect, like but better. really. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Just and like fertility. Um, yeah. So tell me with, um, like it, it seems to me like there's a real disconnect between the habits that our culture instills in us you know, needing that glass of wine when the kids get to bed or, mm-hmm. um, you know, deserving that, that super sugary treat or, and seconds and thirds. It feels like we need to actually focus in on finding joy mm-hmm. in taking care of ourselves and that not seeming like the boring deprivational choice, right? It's like uh, yeah. a massive psychological shift that needs to happen. Absolutely. And, and which is what I end up talking about with perimenopausal women because so many women were not taught about perimenopause. They don't know what's happening to them. They can't understand why seemingly overnight. I so you know, on my 40th birthday, on my 45th birthday, Carrie, I turned 46 and it fell apart. And so I'm like, I know. <laughs> and, and, so I, and, and, I need, and then I'm like, yeah, I need you to make some changes. And then like, but I've always done it. I've always had a glass of wine at night, right? I've always, mm. I always eat dessert. You know, I always stay up. I'm a night owl. I always stay up late. Like I haven't exercised in years. I don't need to. I'm like, well, you do now. It's, <laughs> it's reverse puberty. And I'm sorry. And, you know, if, if you've always, if you're going to keep doing what you've always done, you're going to always get what you always got. So I, it sucks. I, whoever designed perimenopause can suck it. I mean, quite honestly. <laughs> I'm, it's like I said to you on Instagram that time, if this was in fact reverse puberty, could our mother not come back and start cleaning all of our clothes and making us yeah. dinner every night <laughs> with this package deal? Like, to help I us, know. Help I know. Start new phase. That'd be nice. It'd be really nice. Mm. It'd be really mm. nice. But you're, you're a hundred percent right. I mean, I, 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 you know, tell women, I'm like, you've got to be really kind to yourself in this phase, in this transition. Mm. It's not even a yeah. phase. It's a straight up transition. Like you have to be kind to yourself. And the thing about um, perimenopause is all the time women, women try to biohack it. Like they'll go on the birth control pill or they'll, you know, do something to try to avoid it. I'm like, no, like mother nature doesn't work that way. Yeah. <laughs> you cannot really avoid mother nature. And you, so you have to, you have to make some changes. You have to take care yeah. of yourself and be kind and give yourself some grace and recognize that it is, you are transitioning out of the reproductive years into your menopausal years, which is awesome. Mm. You have to embrace yeah. it. Yeah, that's right. So, um, and mother nature, the more, like if we try to ignore her, she usually just shows up as like the wicked witch of the West oh, later. Yeah. 
right? Oh, yeah, you know, the I more fully you try to disconnect. The more she comes back going, uh, uh, uh. Mm-hmm. she will teach you. <laughs> she will yeah. smack you down. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, she's doing it to the whole planet right now. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, she is. Mm. She, that girl, needs a hormone test. <laughs> Speaking of hormone tests, what a great segue. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't even so, plan it. Um, no, I know, but so natural, you know, in touch with nature. Mm. Like I think that this would be a time in our lives when the Dutch test would be so, so useful, right? Yes, yes. Um, and for people who haven't listened to our first show, which we kind of did a broad sweep on all things hormones and specifically, more specifically stress, I definitely encourage everybody to, to head back to show 87 and check that out. But for the people who just kind of have heard Dutch tests right now and have no idea what that is, can you briefly describe what it is and, um, and how it would be super helpful for this particular phase in life? Absolutely. So it's an acronym. It's, it's Dutch, stands for Dried Urine Test for Comprehensive Hormones. So It's a hormone test that involves urinating on pieces of filter paper four or five times in the day. So you'll do it first thing Mm -hmm. in the morning, two hours later, around dinner, before bed. And if you have insomnia, which is so common, you'll do it um, Mm -hmm. when you get up in the middle of the night to urinate. Um, And then Mm -hmm. you let them all dry and, you know, mail them back to the lab. And what makes them really, really helpful is you get your standard hormones that are changing, your you get you get three different estrogens. You get your progesterone. You get your testosterone and DHEAs. You get cortisol and melatonin. But because it's because it's urine, you get um, what we call metabolites, which is a fancy word for pathways. So it, it it tells us, okay, you make estrogen. Where does it go? Which is really important for a woman to know. I I want to know is my estrogen going down the cancerous pathway? Is it going down the proliferative pathway? Is it going down a pathway that eventually is protective? Um, because mm. I want to make the changes knowing in, in perimenopause, my chances of breast cancer and, and uterine cancer and ovarian cancer go up. So I'm trying to mm. avoid that. Yeah. Gotcha. And, and so explain just because half the time we try to explain to our doctor's why we want the urine test versus the blood test. But unless we actually completely comfortably understand the difference between the two, it's really hard to get the buy-in from the doctor. Right. Um, so can you help us with that definition as well, that sure. comparison? Definitely. Yeah. So the blood, blood testing is really great for your standard hormones. Um, there's some uh, hormones and blood testing you can only do in blood, such as your, all your thyroid markers, you know, vitamin D, um, you know, iron, things like that. And that's wonderful. Um, you can absolutely test your female hormones in the blood. You can test your estradiol, which is your main estrogen. You can test your testosterone. You can test your DHEAS, which is a, a, an adrenal hormone. But you, you just get those hormones because it's blood. That's what's floating around your system. But it doesn't actually tell you where they're going, so to speak. So yes, you make testosterone, but do you have acne and do you have all that chin hair and are, do, do you have, um, you know, are you losing hair because your testosterone is going down the pathway that causes that? It's known as, it's called 5-alpha reductase pathway. And that's mm-hmm. the bonus of urine because you get to see that pathway. Like, here's your testosterone. 
and here's where it goes. And so for those women who say, yeah, that's, that's me. I hit my 40s and I'm, my hair is thinning and I'm getting acne again as an adult. This is ridiculous. And, you know, I have chin hair all of a sudden. And so we can, we can look at a urine test and I can say if they go down this pathway or not and, and what we need to do. Whereas a blood test can be deceiving. You might have quote unquote normal levels of testosterone and they're like, oh, you're fine. It's all mm. in your head, and you're like, no, this hair on my chin is not like <laughs> I'm not making it up. <laughs> I can see it. I can see it. I pluck it every night, <laughs> and so <laughs> that's what's so great about the urine test. And the same for estrogen, the same for cortisol. Um, like for example, in blood, when you when you draw your cortisol in blood, um, it, it's a combination. Like so you'll, you'll get a number. Let's say your number is 15, and when cortisol in the blood is a combination of what we call bound and unbound. So Hormones are like children. They can't be unattended at any time. So your body mm-hmm. binds them up and it, it basically attaches them to a bus and drives it through your bloodstream. And you have a very small, tiny percentage of, of hormone that's free or not on the bus. And the free hormone is what uh, binds to your receptors and does the things. It like turns things on and off. Mm-hmm. So when you get a blood draw of cortisol, it could be 14 cortisols on the bus and one is free or it might be 14 free and one on the bus and you want to know that information you want to know is all my cortisol bound up and that's why I'm tired or is all my cortisol um, free floating around and that's why I have anxiety or you know belly fat or whatnot and so it's a good starting point but the urine actually divides that out for you and gives you a lot more information Mm mm-hmm so, so good. And, uh, and I would encourage anyone listening today, if you still feel uncomfortable trying to explain that to a doctor, why don't you just play the excerpt? It's like, Carrie is a doctor. So <laughs> Here's a doctor explaining it. It's a bit new and we haven't had it in Australia for long. You know, just, I really feel like we need to, um, uh, get a bit of courage happening, Dutch courage, uh, maybe <laughs> minus the gin and, um, and actually just, say, you know what, I've been hearing about this thing and I'd like for you to just take a listen for three minutes while this doctor explains why the urine test is so much more powerful than the blood test. And if you could order for me, that'd be great. Thanks. Right, right. You know, if we, but, you know, no one is going to say yes to something they don't understand, especially a science mind. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, giving them the benefit of the doubt and explaining the science or getting someone to, I think is going to be a really powerful next step for us getting more doctors educated about these new technologies and tests. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I find it, especially in the realm of hormones, I find there's a lot of um, misinformation and I find there's a lot of limited information and it's, it's no fault of, you know, the, the GP or the primary care doctor. Um, it's just not their focus, right? They're, yeah. they're doing a, acute care. They're doing, you know, colds and flus and, you know, you broke your arm and, 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 oh, and they're doing everything. And so then they're like, oh, mm. and you have a hormone issue. And so, they may not fully understand um, like where in your cycle you should get your hormones tested or how to test your hormones. Or mm. I, I will also hear um, very sadly from, from, from doctors, they will say, um, oh, you're menopausal. You're not supposed to have hormones. You're, you know, like they're supposed to be low. I'm like, well, there's low and then there's like zero. <laughs> yeah. They're like negligible. Yeah. And, and like I said, it impacts other hormones. Like, yes, your estradiol does drop down quite a bit, but what about your thyroid? Right. And, and that's mm. a big one. What about the brain hormones? What about some of these mm. nutrients that play a big role with energy and 
hair loss and weight gain and, you know, sleep. And, and so looking beyond just the little tiny focus that they have um, can be so helpful for women. Super helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, and speaking of the different hormones and their uh, sort of symptomatic presentations, I guess, we, we talk about a lot about um, estrogen and progesterone in the active cycle years. What's happening to those two as we move into menopause? Yeah. So um, you, so I, back in the beginning when I talked about how on the follicle you have all the cells that make your hormones. So they, yeah. you have your, you have cells that make uh, testosterone and you mm-hmm. have cells that make estrogen. And then once you release the egg or ovulate, those cells turn into the cells that make progesterone. But mm-hmm. now you're menopausal, so you don't do that anymore. And so what mm-hmm. happens is you rely on other tissues, like, for example, your fat tissue can make estrogen through a process mm-hmm. called aromatization. And it um, makes a smaller amount, like, you know, enough to be helpful and, and somewhat protective. And your progesterone is actually made in very tiny amounts out of your adrenal glands. It's sort of in the process of making cortisol, you make some progesterone and, and some of it like slips out, ekes out, and doesn't go on gotcha. to cortisol. But the problem is, um, you know, those levels can be really low. Or if you already have problems with your HPA axis, so your hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis, you're already tired, you're already stressed, you already have put a lot of um, uh, maybe uh, burden's not the right word, but you've really used, you know, you've really used. Mm. You know, all, all the, all the, gas, petrol in the you got exactly. Yeah. <laughs> then you're going to mm-hmm. struggle to make some of the other hormones. Um, the adrenals mm-hmm. can also make DHEA, can also make testosterone. And so I hear women will say, gosh, as I'm getting into menopause, I'm gaining fat. I'm losing muscle mass. I have no sex drive. I'm like, I know because your, your ovaries are done. So there goes about 25% of your testosterone production. You're relying on your adrenals and your adrenals, your HPA access as a whole system is taxed. And so testosterone is not a priority. And testosterone mm-hmm. helps us with building lean muscles, right? And, and protecting our bones and helping us with sex drive and So it's important we look systemically for women going into menopause at all the systems versus just focusing on estrogen and progesterone. They're very critical. Estrogen is very critical for the female body, brain health, bone health, skin health, immune system health, the whole nine yards, but it does affect everything else just as much. Yeah, gotcha. And so with with these um, hormones sort of, going a bit haywire it feels like during the perimenopausal um phase i could kind of see you know those situations where you plug one extra appliance in yeah. and then the, the switch trips and then yep. you keep trying to switch it back on and it goes off again is that kind of what's going on it, in perimenopause for sure because that's because you're getting what i call her surges so you're getting these estrogen mm. surges um that feel very chaotic and some months you ovulate and some months you don't some months you make a lot of estrogen because your cells are responding, they're over-responding from the brain communication. Other months, they don't respond at all. And so you ha- sort of have this weird up, down, all around. It's like a roller coaster. <laughs> if, I had to, mm. if I had to draw a graph, it'd look like a roller coaster. And that's yeah. commonly how women feel because they'll say, uh, you know, I have all these symptoms and then I skip my period, you know, my symptoms are worse. And then they went away and then I got my period. <laughs> and I, like, what's happening? Mm. I'm like, Yes. <laughs> 
I'm so sorry. I just feel sorry for all of us. I know. I mean, seriously, whoever designed the female body, I'm just, I don't know. Yeah, they gave it to the strong ones. That's for sure. That's for sure. That's for sure. But (laughs) sorry, guys. There are a few design flaws that I think we could have corrected along the. I wish we could. I could have just a magic wand. Like, oh, let me just correct that real quick. Yeah, that'd be nice. (laughs) Um, And and so, um. Like this is probably why it's especially important to uh, have a picture of what your estrogen detoxification pathways look like, right? Because yes. if you're then moving into this phase in your life where there's going to be huge surges of estrogen as your body thinks it needs to produce more because it didn't see any last month and, oh, my God, we screwed up, so let's do double. And, mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff's going on. You would want to make sure that you weren't sending your estrogen down the wrong pathway. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, absolutely. Okay, so can you talk to us about like when one gets their Dutch test results, which pathway would be the alarm bell and how we can mitigate the danger zone? Definitely. So when you make estrogen, or let's say you're taking estrogen, definitely some women are on estrogen replacement. Um, Mm -hmm. You you go through, uh, the simplified version is you go through what's called phase one, phase two, and phase three detoxification. So Mm -hmm. phase one has three options, three pathways. You can go down the two pathway, you can go down the four pathway, and you can go down the 16 pathway. And you will always go down all of them to a varying percentages. Mm-hmm. Now, it's the four pathway that if you head down that pathway and you don't get through phase two detoxification, which is where you neutralize everything, um, mm-hmm. the four pathway is the one that has the biggest risk for cancer. It's the most carcinogenic is what we call it. And the reason for that is if it doesn't go, if it doesn't become neutralized, it turns tail and it goes down an even an even different pathway that can form um, something called an addict addicts bind mm-hmm. to, to DNA and, and, and basically will break out. So an addict forms in the DNA and then it breaks out of your DNA and leaves a hole. Now, mm-hmm. you don't want holes in your DNA. That's bad. So you have a system. You have a DNA repair system that's supposed to come in and fix the hole. So it's, you know, it's like if you get a little hole in your shirt and you just, you know, you just sew it up, right? You're just like, oh, little hole, no problem. I'll just sew this up. Now, imagine you yes. have a, a thousand little holes in your shirt. Like, you're either going to throw the shirt out or you're going to like do this, you know, by the, by the thousandth hole, you've done a really sloppy job because you're tired of sewing <laughs> holes in your shirt. And this, the DNA repair system does the same thing. Like one little hole in your DNA, no problem. Thousands of holes, problem. And mm. you, and then now it gets sloppy. The repair isn't that good and you are high risk for a mutation. And that mutation is when you um, then can go develop, you know, estrogen related cancers. So mm. the four pathway is not so bad if it gets neutralized, but if it doesn't, then it goes down that, that, that DNA damaging pathway. So then you have the 16 pathway. The 16 pathway is what we consider uh, proliferative. So good for bones to a degree, uh, bad for boobs. Meaning if you make a lot of 16, women will commonly say to me, I have heavy periods. I have clots. I get fibroids. I, my boobs get big. Um, at PMS time, because it's it's a grower, it's a, it's a it makes things poofy, and so mm. and and then if you have breast cancer, it could potentially make breast cancer grow. So you know pros and cons. I want my bones healthy, but I don't want fibroids and you know massive boobs. So mm. it's it, we keep that one in check. And then the last pathway is the two pathway, and the two pathway is considered less carcinogenic, meaning 
when you go down the two pathway, you can still form that thing called an addict in the DNA, except Mm -hmm. the addict is good. It doesn't break out. It just sits in the DNA and it waits patiently like a good child to be fixed. So there's no holes. We like this one. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So, um, and, and then the DNA repair system can choose to, you know, choose to fix it in, in a timely manner. My, I'm like, when it gets around to it, when it's, done, when it's done dealing with all the holes from four, it can fix the two. So, so it's, le- it's less risky. It's still con- it can still cause mutations. It can still be a problem, but it's less risky. Now, the upside, the protective part of the two pathway is that when it becomes neutralized, it turns into an estrogen metabolite that's actually quite protective against breast cancer. So we'd like the two pathway, if it can get beyond the DNA, if it, if it never goes that route and it just actually becomes this, this other marker, um, which is called a methoxy to methoxy, which we report on the Dutch test, then the more you have of that, the more protective it is. So we do like that marker and we do want the two pathway for that marker. Um, but none of the pathways are perfect. It's like Goldilocks. It's, you know, it's all about the right balance, the right percentage for that person. Yeah, which is why I love that you guys have it laid out visually like a little, um, like a clock dial, like a speedometer yes. almost, yep. and you can kind of just see where you are and where danger zones kind of show up. And yeah, it's, it's a great yeah. visual test. And women will ask, um, "Okay, Carrie, I'm going down the four pathway. I'm freaking out. I'm like, yeah, but there's so much you can do to to reverse it to to a, you know mm. as much as you can. It's not perfect, but there's a lot of stuff you can do from diet and lifestyle point of view." To, to reduce that. So a big one is um, those, the enzymes that push those pathways are really upregulated by environmental toxicants like BPA, mm. you know, like phthalates, plastics. And so if you can reduce that in your life, you will reduce your risk, which is awesome. The pathway mm. is, pr- really, is protected by um, your brassica family. So your broccoli, your kale, your cauliflower, uh, your Brussels sprouts, your um, broccoli sprouts, Um, Mm. those are really, really helpful. Things that raise glutathione, you know, glutathione is the most uh, potent, right? Antioxidant in your whole body. You've talked about it before. And so the glutathione will bind to the naughty little four going down the wrong pathway and get rid of it. It'll, it'll neutralize it and get rid of it. And so, so when women freak out, I'm like, don't worry, this is actually really lifestyle induced there's dietary induced there's a lot of things you can do to protect yourself and there's some good supplements that can be really helpful so it's a very um empowering test because women go all right i can do something about this i can change this Mm, i agree i certainly felt the same and um when i uh you know i went through all the mold stuff Mm -hmm. i became so inflamed and uh, my cycles definitely just did some crazy things over probably about a two, two and a half year period. And then um, I got a polyp, oh, a grind yeah. polyp. And I was like, oh, dear. And I knew that, um, that uh, I was getting those, those 16 symptoms, like the big boobs just before the period and things. Mm-hmm. So I worked with my naturopath. We did nutraceuticals. I did a lot of meditation mm-hmm. thanks to Dr. Joe Dispenza mm-hmm. uh, and, um, and those two things just turned it around. And with the, with the beauty of having a, a gynecologist, a surgical gynecologist who said, you know what, let's just give you, you know, you seem to think that you can sort this out and I, it's not 
by any means looking dangerous to me at this point. Take three months, let's test it again. Mm -hmm. And so I did it. I did all the good things and then went and got it tested and it was gone. And nice. Looked good and hard. <laughs> and, um, and, and the, the benefit of that is my cycles come back to normal, you know, and, 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 uh, I, barely even knew it was coming this last cycle. Like it was just incredible. Love so that. It's, it's always worth doing the work. You know, a lot of people then think, oh no, it's, it's never going to work. I could have thought that way and gotten surgery. You know, oh yeah. It's, um, the things we can avoid by just loving ourselves. This is why I come back to that radical shift in the way we see um uh, crisis care and, mm-hmm. and how much we can do to to prevent it, right, mm-hmm. and to reverse things ourselves. Our right. very clever little bodies can right. do a whole bunch of stuff with a bit of support. You know, it's interesting because you said surgery and not even just surgery to remove the polyp, um, mm. but so many women are, are told like, oh, you have a polyp, you're in that perimenopausal age, why don't we just give you a full hysterectomy? It's protective. I'm like, whoa. (laughs) Whoa. And I hear it a lot. I get messages a lot on Instagram or in the comments where people say, I had a hysterectomy because I had whatever, fibroids or polyp. Now, granted, there are reasons to have a hysterectomy. I'm not, I'm not debating that at all, but I have a number of women who write, who seem to, who seem to say, I just, I only, I had polyps. I had fibroids and I don't know their whole story, but I, but I feel like sometimes, at least in the United States, we rush to surgery. Like, oh, mm. let's just take the whole thing out. I'm like, well, but it's not cancerous. It's not even hyperplasia. Like, really? Mm. <laughs> Are you yeah. sure? <laughs> and, yeah. and then that just pushes, you know, women don't realize, and, and I think surgeons do a very crappy job of explaining when you have a hysterectomy and you remove the ovaries, you go into instantaneous, instantaneous menopause. And so many young girl listeners um, or followers on Instagram and social media will say, you know, I was 25, I didn't know better. I was 35 and now they're 35 and in full-blown menopause and their surgeon will say to them, no big deal. I'll just throw an estrogen patch on you and you'll be fine. I'm like, no, you won't be fine. It's such a, it's so irritating it's and and nobody tells them you know nobody nobody explains like look when you get a hysterectomy and have the the ovaries removed this is what you have to watch out for like it's you are not menopausal on monday and you are menopausal as soon as the surgery is over you know if your surgery is at six in the morning at 6 30 you were menopausal like wow and it's not a slow decline it's instant and and i don't think women realize that and so um it's, it's yeah, so, and it's I, devastating. I think we feel, uh, and this is what I love about the empowerment of um, access to more knowledge, not more knowledge in those, in that way where you then get bombarded and you feel mm-hmm. more confused than before because that mm-hmm. can happen too. Mm-hmm. But, but basic, simple resources that help people go, oh, right. so if it's not mega dangerous, I could give this a shot for three to six months mm-hmm. myself with some alternative ideas yep. and and some you know incredible herbal mixes that can be made my naturopath mixed one up for me yeah uh, and um and dim those were yeah. literally the only two supplements i was put on on top of my moldy regime right and um and like 
and meditation. I mean, hello, is that not worth it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think that was pretty worth it. Yeah. And maybe it wasn't going to work, but at least I tried. Yeah. And it's know, just and three I months think. of your, of your yeah. whole life. And yeah, you know, and that's, and like you said, it wasn't mega dangerous. And so do it. And for a lot of women who aren't uh, in the health field, or maybe they're new to this, this is their first time, you know, I, I'll say to me, women, if it's not mega dangerous, like you can take this time to do research, you know, don't mm. feel like you need to make a snap decision tomorrow because you're getting the pressure. You can say, you know what, if this isn't cancer, this isn't whatever it is, you know, mega dangerous, I'm going to take some time and look into this, do some research, find out what I can do to be proactive mm. and then decide. Yeah. And I think that's fair. It is fair. Absolutely. And it's about realizing that, you know, our, our crisis care is amazing. Like mm -hmm. there was no way with me on the table being in labor for three days. Uh, I, and then, you know, both our heartbeats going up alarmingly, I was going to say, look, I might just take three months and just go research <laughs> this. Like there are, uh, no. There are, <laughs> yes. there are times where our modern crisis care system is freaking amazing and mm -hmm. so incredible at what we can do for people um but yeah to 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 feel empowered that when it's not one of those times we can take the time i mm -hmm. think is really important mm -hmm. and you shouldn't be made to feel bad for it you know no. if you find out something and it's not crisis and it's not mega dangerous you should be able to have your doctor support you when you say you know what i'm going to i'm going to take a couple weeks I want to really look into this and research this. I want to be empowered um, and mm. then I'll come back to you. And I think that's yeah, fine. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. Um, now, there are a lot of people who are on the birth control at Pill, oh, <laughs> which uh, if anyone is listening right now and you are, I would absolutely encourage you to not only listen to my show with Carrie, number 87, but also the beautiful show that I did with uh, Dr. Jolene Brighton, mm -hmm. uh, who is a champion for birth control pill awareness um, and what your alternative options are. Um, but let's just for the sake of the, the fact that we're talking about this conversation, admit that there will be women out there on it right now heading into perimenopause. Yeah. How does, how does that play out? Like, <laughs> so that's one of the things. At what point does one stop taking the pill? Exactly. You know, so do you just keep taking it until you're like 80? Some or women do. do you, is, is there a time yep. when you would stop it? Yeah. Uh, so what's funny is, so my OBGYN, um, let's see, was this last year, mm -hmm. earlier this year? I can't remember when I saw her. Um, she's, and if she's listening, I hope she doesn't get mad, but she's <laughs> at the time, she's in her forties. And she said to me, well, I'm on the birth, and she's very open to naturopathic medicine. She's wonderful. I just adore her. I love, I love going to see her <laughs> for being an OBGYN. Yeah. And she said, well, Carrie, I'm on the birth control pill. And I was like, you're in your forties. I mean, <laughs> that's yeah. not what the pill is designed for. And you can't just avoid, you can't just biohack your way out of menopause. And she said, well, it's working for me right now. And this is what I'm going to do. And, and I don't know, I feel like the risk benefit ratio with the birth control pill, if for women, as we get older, I am not, uh, I'm not in favor of that. I'm not against the birth control pill. I don't want people listening to this thinking I'm anti-pill. I'm not. I'm very much like Dr. Brighton. I'm very much pill awareness. Like be aware and then make your own 
conscious decision. However, I will say as women get close to perimenopause and their doctor says, well, just go back on the pill or stay on the pill. I feel it just, mm. they, they give that option just because they don't know any better. Um, just from their own uh, training, right? They're taught to, to for pharmaceutical and the pharmaceutical they have is, is the birth control pill. And so, um, and, and if you're still cycling because you're perimenopausal, uh, not fully menopausal, they say go back on the pill. But with the pill, like you still are at risk for all the same things you were at risk for when you were younger. You're still at risk for blood clots. You're still at risk for estrogen related cancers. You know, you're still at risk for all, you know, a metabolic syndrome, which is diabetes and high insulin and mood disorders and, you know, all these things. And because your body is trying to go into perimenopause, some women on the pill will say to me, I'm on the pill, which is supposed to control everything, but I feel like my body's fighting back. Like I'm getting hot flashes sometimes and I'm getting breakthrough bleeding sometimes, but then it's like the pill sometimes wins and it all goes away. I'm like, yeah, it's literally what you're doing. You're literally trying to fight, mm. fight biology. Um, so, but this would literally be happening whether you were or weren't on the pill anyway, it yes. sounds like. Yes. With the little circuit yes. breaker thing happening and Ex- the surges. And exactly, exactly. So we and may as well then remove all those other risk factors if we're... Uh, yes, you know, I would. Yeah. And, and I, but I have women that will say, well, can't I just stay on the pill through menopause? Like, can't I just stop it sometime in my 50s or 60s? I'm like, man, I think, mm-hmm. the, I think the risk is too great. I would never do that. I would never prescribe it. I can prescribe the pill as a naturopathic doctor in the States. And um, I, would never, I would refer them to somebody else. That's not my, not my jam. But um, I do have patients who've said that. I just want to stay on it until I get through all the way through menopause. And you have about a 50-50 chance. Some women can ride through menopause um, and some women it just delays their menopause. They come off the pill and they feel a million times worse because it slams Mm. into them. And so I warn women, I don't know which way you're going to go. So if you stop the pill at 50 and you Mm. feel horrific, you got slammed. I'm sorry. Like call call me. Like we will work on this 100%. And if you Mm. get to 50 and you feel you know pretty okay then you know you were the other 50 percent and maybe mm-hmm. led into menopause okay yeah yeah wow okay and so what is the you've mentioned a couple of times that you're really concerned about the risk factors the longer you stay on the pill can you just share a couple of studies or a couple of aspects from the current research that you're most concerned about? Um, well, a big one, which is not so much cancer, but uh, well, I mean, cancer is one, but one women don't r- realize is as women get older, we are at a higher risk for gallbladder disease, gallstones, mm-hmm. having our gallbladder out. Um, it's a, so many women in their 40s, you know, often will say, holy, holy crap, I, I, me, that was me. I had my gallbladder out. And mm-hmm. um, the birth control pill can increase that risk. So you already have that risk as you get older, um, for various reasons. And now if you're on the pill, it, it can increase the risk even more. And we need our gallbladder. We need it to help, you know, break down all sorts of important things and, and, it, it, and help with our hormones and help with detoxification. And, um, and when it's gone, it's, that's, it's really hard to, to have it, to lose an organ. That's a, yeah. important yeah. and make up for it. But as far as the cancer risk goes, you know, they, um, I haven't looked at the research uh, lately, but what, the last time I had looked into it, uh, they said that you know once you're on the pill uh, for more than five years, your risk for breast cancer goes up, or, or just estrogen dominant cancers um, mm. goes up 
quite a bit. And so, um, which is, you know, always, always concerning to me. Now, estrogen, fake synthetic estrogen versus the progestin in the pill is, is the much bigger deal. The progestin in the pill is, um, which is a fake progesterone, um, mm. is much more concerning to me, believe it or not, than the synthetic wow. estrogen that's in the pill. Yeah, it's the it's the progestin um, that I think is more of the risk, has more of the risk. And so as you're older and you already have all this burden on your body because you've just, you know, you're in your 40s or 50s as opposed to in your 20s mm. um, and your liver's already dealt with so much and your immune system's already dealt with so much and then you put the pill on top of it, um, I just feel like it's not a very good combination. Women mm. definitely do it, um, but I want women to be aware uh, that you could it could be detrimental, and you could have bad side effects. It could it, you're already gonna you're already at an increased risk for things like diabetes and insulin resistance as we get older, as we move into menopause, and the pill speeds that up. Mm. So just just you know be aware that if you choose the pill. But yeah, higher, wow. It's some of these things like, and just um, go into it knowledgeable. Yeah, I'm, I'm seeing now. Yeah. And I, I'm seeing this, what you're painting is a picture of all of this stuff happening naturally to our bodies mm-hmm. through the 40s and early 50s. Then we add the pill on top of that, potentially, to mm-hmm. some women. Then we add the fact that we are taking on the mother load of home duties still. Right. We are often at the height of our careers for yeah. those who work. So yeah. it can be the time where we have the most amount of responsibility on the right. work front. Then we've got teenagers. Yeah. And that, as you know, is the biggest responsibility of the parenting years. Like it just makes changing nappies and getting a bit less sleep look so easy. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, and then, so everything is demanding more from us. Yes. And then, you know, so it, it kind of want, makes me want to talk a little bit about stress in this time of our lives. Yeah. And it's also the time when people are getting divorced, right? And parent, yeah. parents are dying or, or friends and, and family are dying um, mm-hmm. for various reasons. And, and, and or, or moves are happening or, or job losses are happening and it's more detrimental, right? It's, it's bigger. It's, it's, it's a lot on our body. Mm. It is a lot. And so what are some of the, the most important things we can do to be kind to ourselves? What are some of your absolute favorite take-homes, whether it's um, herbs, whether it's lifestyle interventions? What do you do as a 40-plus <laughs> chick, you know, with everything yeah. going on? I'll be 42 um, in June, so I got to get I'll this be, yeah, menopause yeah, just, figured out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm nearly two years ahead of you, so I'll let you know how it's going. <laughs> <laughs> Please do. <laughs> I have, for me personally, I, and it's, I am, I tell everyone about these two things because it's free, cheap, and easy. Um, one, I find sleep is non-negotiable. And yeah. the women who say, well, I'm a night owl or I'm used to burning the candle at both ends, I'm used to going to bed late and getting up early, I'm used to not sleeping very well. I'm like, well, you, you used to do it, but trust me, as you go into perimenopause, as you go through this reverse pretty, that much more on your body and sleep is so critical. It repairs so much of your body and you, and I don't think women realize that. So when you go, when you sleep, you're in your deep sleep, 
not your REM sleep. REM is when you dream, but in your deep mm. sleep, that's your reparative sleep. Yeah. So in your deep sleep, you have your glymphatic system with a G, not lymphatic like your lymph nodes, but glymphatic with a G. And when you go into deep sleep, your brain cells shrink a little bit, and then that allows your glymphatic system to go through and basically act like you know your tra- your your binman. Like it goes through and like cleans up all the waste and and cleans up all the extra proteins and gets rid of all the you know the crap that's in your brain, and it circulates nutrients around even more so, um, so that you have healthier cells. And so I tell women, if you don't wake up feeling rested and restored in the morning, then blame your deep sleep. You didn't, you didn't, you've got to really impact that deep sleep. And then it's cumulative. So the more sleep deprivation you have, um, the worse and worse and worse it gets. And then you become much more symptomatic. And so I say to women, it's, it's non-negotiable for me. You have to get most nights of the week, you have to no, get get about eight hours of sleep ish. Um, I mm. am of the belief, the notion that six hours of sleep. You know, some women, oh, I can live off six hours. I can live off five hours. Man, there's some good research out there to show. No, nope. You can train yourself into believe that subconsciously mm. or consciously, but you're wrong. So, <laughs> yeah, better, that's you better and train yourself. Research around. Um, that the difference between six and seven hours, mm-hmm. reactive times, problem solving capabilities, uh, like deep work, mm-hmm. uh, really tends to go down the toilet just with that one less hour. I yeah. think there's a 1% genetic uh, uh, potential for a, a, a particular group of people, one in a hundred, that can actually function on four or five hours sleep, right? I think there, you're right. There, yes. Yeah, there yeah. is that group. Yeah. Maybe that's you. <laughs> We're not talking but, to you. But uh, <laughs> chances are you're, you're right. other yeah, 99%. 99%. So that's what I tell, you know, because yeah. the women will say, what, what supplement can I take? You know, what can I take? What can I take? I'm like, no, it's what you can do. I need you to go to bed. <laughs> I need mm. you. And I need, and I, it's, I tell women, I need you to be non-negotiable when it comes to kids or dogs or noises or if somebody's snoring like these are the years in your life that you have to get good sleep and don't feel bad because you, that's what we, you know as women we, we feel bad or we feel guilty or you know we feel you know like well the dog's already asleep and I don't want to move it I'm like well but if it's keeping you up at night it's constantly making you wake up you're missing out on deep sleep and now you miss out mm. on all that reparative stuff so, you know, I'm like, I, it's not sexy, but I'm like, sleep with, sleep with earplugs in, you know, sleep with noise canceling headphones, sleep, sleep mask. Mm. I don't, I don't care if you've, if you're snoring, if somebody tells you're snoring, you have to get that looked up, go, go see a sleep specialist, about sleep apnea. Um, I had a, my favorite sleep, sleep uh, apnea doctor here where I live told me that the amount of women who go through menopause and develop sleep apnea is exponential. He said, if I can correct their sleep apnea, the disordered breathing, their mouth, mouth opens breathing, he said, mm. they feel so much better. They get oxygen to their brain, oxygen to their cells, their hot flashes and night sweats decrease, their brain fog decreases, their energy goes up. He said, Carrie, I see it all the time. He said, refer your menopausal women for sleep studies. It's amazing because it's because everything changes, including mm. sleep. And I thought, I never, I never thought of that before. Wow. So but sleep. often like often it's the um the partner in our lives, like oh, you know, yes. getting older, maybe their tummy's gotten a bit big. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and maybe they've had a couple of scotches before bed or a yep. beer at the barbecue and boom, yep. you end up lying awake listening to the most horrific noises yep. coming out of someone's mouth and yep. nose and thinking, how, how are you asleep right now? Yeah. <laughs> I, yes. And that's when I say, <laughs> this is when you like, don't apologize, get your plugs, no. get the noise canceling headphones, sleep in a different room if you need to on those nights. I know it's not sexy and it's maybe not... Mm always great for the marriage, but I trust me, you will be in a better mood and a happier person and your waistline will thank you if you get good sleep. And so don't compromise on it as much as you can. Don't compromise. Yeah, I on love it. Thing. And, and something that I was speaking to some, uh, some women in a group, uh, that I admin about was that when they were choosing a bed and I said, have a think about putting two single beds together, like mm-hmm. two mattresses together so you don't get that partner disturbance and you know and people are like I never even thought of that I'm like mm-hmm. because I slept so lightly during the moldy years uh you know I was so wired that like the tiniest noise would just wake me up it made me really passionate about trying to remove any possible distraction mm-hmm. that could wake me yeah and so that's when I did the single bed stuck together and we don't feel like we're in a different bed mm-hmm. um or if your issue as a couple is someone's always stealing the doona cover and yep. you know just why don't you get a separate one like which I, so in the United States, right, we have, everybody has one. We have one cover, one bed. And then the first time I went to Europe with a partner, I said, mm. why are there two, why are these, these two, it was like a, you know, it was a king or queen size bed, but there were two twin size, maybe, you know, covers. And I mm. thought, we, there's his and hers. This is brilliant. <laughs> and it, and, and I, it was like the great, the most eye-opening thing for me. I said, we can, we're still in the same bed, but like, this is mine and that's yours. Like, don't touch. It's just yes. wonderful. And, and man, it sleep really well. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. not that I fight for covers with my husband, but if he rolls over, I feel it, right? The cover gets pulled. And even if I'm not exposed, it's still dragging across my skin and vice that's versa. Right. Vice versa. And it probably takes you out of deep and into yeah. light. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Mm. And so many partners maybe have wrestling people too, restless leg, you know, or they, mm. they're not getting a good night's sleep for whatever. So they're rolling around and, you know, shifting back and forth. And even if you're mm-hmm. sleeping, um, you know, you're, you're subconsciously registering that. And so you're keep getting pulled out of your deep, pulled out of your deep and, uh, it's not yeah. good for and your long-term health. What about sort of 15 to 20% deep is mm-hmm. ideal? Yep. Yeah. Mm. Yep, that's what they. That's what the aura ring says. So yeah, I'm going by what they say since they're the experts. Yeah, they really are, and uh, I'll put the details of the aura ring in the show notes for anyone who hasn't come across it yet um, on mine or Carrie's Instagram. But it really is an amazing tool, <gasps> and you, it makes you not cheat. That's for sure. Mm. People will ask me, you know, oh, do you like your aura ring? I'm like, I'm obsessed with it, I, and I'm not a tracker person at, you know I don't no, track my calories no. I don't track my nutrients my macros my micros I'm doing that crap I don't track my exercise I mean I'm not I just can't be bothered but I do love yeah. this ring because I don't have to do anything but wear it but two I can't cheat if I cheat I'm cheating against me so if I have a bad night's sleep if I eat too late if I have a glass or two of wine too late 
if I have sugar before bed, it shows up and I feel it. And then there it is. I mean, in the aura ring for people who've never, um, who've never maybe seen it, but you, it connects to an app and, and then you get messages and, and the messages sometimes are in your face. It's like, take it easy today. You know, like you didn't move yeah. yesterday. <laughs> I'm like, you need to get off your butt more. I'm like, geez. <laughs> Why don't you tell me what you're really thinking? I know like, gosh, Aura, or I'll get these. I allow Aura to send me notifications. I don't allow anything else to send me notifications to Aura because Aura will say, I'll get this little note on my phone and it will say, time to stretch your legs for a bit. Oh, I got that yesterday. <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, I guess I have been sitting here for six solid hours. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it is really, really good. And, uh, and, and as someone who needed to work on their sleep really, um, really intensively to try and get it back to a place where I was getting restorative sleep, yeah. I have found it invaluable. And for the cycle tracking, the temperature tracking is incredible as well. You know, I've had so many women tell me that off the ring. It doesn't work for mm. me. My temperature oh, doesn't, really? doesn't, my up down to my temperature does not correlate with my, uh, cycle, but I do know what oh, wow. it might also be that I don't, I don't ovulate all that well. I do ovulate, but my luteal cells, lutein cells are pretty weak. So mm. I have some work to do there. Mm. So. We've all got work. It's always <laughs> nice to hear when the doctor's got some work to do as well. Not that no. I would wish that on you, but it just, you know, no, I mean, regular yeah. people trying to do our best. Right? And I, I put it on Instagram. I, I do my, um, I track my, because I work for the Dutch test, I get, it's, super big bonus. I get to work, I get all the testing for free and I do what's called the cycle mapping where I do a urine test every single day. It's one, one strip you do every single day in the morning and then it graphs out my estrogen and progesterone. And, wow. Um, I've done it. that test? Um, oh, I knew you were going to ask me that. Oh, I forget sorry. what it is in Australia. I'm sorry, but it's on our website. No, that's okay. You can do US. <laughs> we've got, we've got lots of US people that listen. I believe if you go through a practitioner in the U.S., I believe if you do a cycle mapping plus a complete, it's four hundred and twenty-five dollars U.S. Oh, that's not if you too crazy. if you go through your For practitioner. A whole month's worth of stress. If you just do that part, I believe it's three hundred and twenty-five. But if you want mm-hmm. all the other pathway data, cortisol, melatonin, estrogen detox, mm. all the everything, yeah. um, it's a four hundred and twenty-five U.S. But wow. um, okay, yeah, so I. Mean, I I it fully admit to people. Health, right? Oh, completely. Yeah. And then I share it. I'm very open. So I share it on social media and I tell people, you know, I'm not hormonally perfect either. And I'm the medical director for a hormone lab. Like, <laughs> so yeah. I need help too. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. So sleep, sleep so, is my number one thing. And then the, uh, then my second thing that I always say is, is then the, uh, is light. So we humans are very, we are a hundred percent circadian rhythm based, meaning we should be up in the light and down in the dark. And, um, again, working for a hormone lab and seeing thousands of cortisol results. If you can get light exposure in the morning, if you can get sun exposure, if you can open your blinds, go out on your patio, if you, if you're in, if it's winter, if you can get and buy full spectrum light bulbs or a little full spectrum light box, which are very inexpensive, they're little little light boxes. You just turn on, you put on your desk and turn on. Um, and you sort of have the glow around, you know, don't stare in the box or don't stare in the sun, but you know, get the light exposure around you. It makes a huge impact on your, the way your body makes cortisol because we're very light driven. 
Mm. So that's my other, and I've had so many people say to me, oh my gosh, Carrie, since you've been teaching about this, because we, we run at, the, at Dutch, we run something called the Cortisol Awakening Response. So this is super pet project. I've done so much research into this, really, really, really been educating about it. And um, it, it, it's free and cheap and easy. Like just you wake up in the morning, don't lay in bed and play on Instagram. Like get up, open your blinds, open your curtains, you know, let some, let some light in. Turn on your light box if it's winter and, um, you know, get it for about 10, 20 minutes and it can make a world of difference in the way your body makes cortisol. It'll take a couple weeks to regulate, but so many people have written me to say, holy crap, that one little change has made so much difference. Or even just going for a walk, people will say, my alarm goes off, I get up, I put on my shoes and I go outside for a five, 10 minute walk in my neighborhood and I feel amazing. Like, yep. Right. It's and so and and like because I get up and I meditate. That's my mm-hmm. first thing that I do in the morning. Should I then just tack the walk on to the end of the or, meditation? Yeah, absolutely. Or do your meditation. Mm. Like make sure I'm sure you do. Like make sure you don't meditate in pitch black. <laughs> make yeah. sure you meditate and you're, you know, try to be near a window or if you know, have some some light uh around you as you're meditating, yeah, even if your right. eyes are closed to a degree, like you're, you know, you're moving around, you get out of bed, you go, hopefully, you know, if you meditate, take five or 10 minutes before you meditate, you get some exposure and then meditate. Mm, I like it. I'm yeah. going to switch it up and, and give that a go. Yeah. And I think the light box, um, we're just moving into winter now and it's sort of part because there isn't much light, part because it's cold and you just don't want to go outside, right? Mm-hmm. But this could be useful. Right. And, and it doesn't have to be sunny. People will say to me, well, but it's a really cloudy day. I'm like, actually, it's just, it's the, um, being outside and just getting the natural light uh, is really helpful. Sun is, sunny days are great, but even just a cloudy day is fine. Mm-hmm. Okay, it, cool. Yeah. Um, and the that- worst are fluorescent. Don't, don't do fluorescent. No, don't do fluorescent. They've shown in research, yep, they've shown in research fluorescent will actually suppress your cortisol. And and, I mean, like, how many people say they sit under fluorescent lights all day long and they say, yeah, it makes me tired, it makes me depressed, it makes me unmotivated. I hate fluorescent Mm. lights. They hurt my eyes. I'm like, yep. I used to feel allergic to office environments. Twice I've had to work in an office environment for a long time. And, uh, and this was before we had our blue blockers and all the trendy stuff we've got these days to mm-hmm. mitigate that. But I really used to just feel like my brain couldn't switch on. Yeah. And yeah. In, my, in my last corporate role, I asked my boss, I said, look, you know, this isn't because I want to slack off. It's because I need to write copy mm-hmm. um, for these launches that I'm doing and I need to write training notes. I can't write here. Between mm-hmm. Susan bitching about the phone call she just had with customer service and, you know, all that stuff going on, these lights just feel like the, the whole environment just felt like it was sucking the life out of mm-hmm. me. Yep. And then I would yep. work from home one day a week and I'd be fine. Yep. It's so totally, these days at yep. least we've got the blue blocker glasses to help um, mm-hmm. if that's not an option. Yeah. And so many companies now, they have the um, blue blocker, meaning like strong, like their amber lenses. Um, mm. Or they even, the, there's some companies that have like really great on the clear side, you know, their lenses are more clear. Yeah, so you I've can even tell. Yeah. Me too. So they're more like daytime lenses. And, and now even at the lab, um, a few of our people who are on the computer all the time, and unfortunately under fluorescent light, our, our lab is undergoing um, 
slowly will be undergoing some uh, uh, remodeling. But until then, we do a fluorescent, and they said a huge difference in their mood, their energy, their headaches, their eye strain. And I love that. Yes, using so those good. glasses. Mm-hmm. I know, and I, I call the new generation of ones that kind of almost look like regular glasses mm-hmm. these socially acceptable biohacking glasses. Exactly, and some, <laughs> some of them are really cute. So I know, I yeah. know. Um, so there's obviously no magic pill to make this a super cruisy, barely noticeable phase in life, <laughs> and different people need different things. Uh, but I'm hyper aware these days of how much self prescriptions going on, and while there's kind of a liberating angle to that because we're often so disillusioned by the medical care we're being given and so we're able to access amazing advice online and 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 sort of you know um learn different ways to treat a a problem that um you know we tried to treat in a linear way but it didn't work Mm -hmm. and uh, and we get these other solutions but i am mindful of self-prescription especially in the area of uh, impacting our hormones, um, you know, where do we draw the line on trying a few things out for ourselves and maybe grabbing a couple of things on iHerb and knowing when we actually need to connect to a, um, a naturopathic physician, naturopath or nutritionist to help us in, or, or integrative doctor. Right. For that matter. Mm. Yeah, I think there's definitely, um, you know, supplements, nutraceuticals that are on the safer end for everybody. Meaning if somebody says to me, I went on iHerb and I bought a good quality multivitamin and I bought some fish oil and I bought a B complex, you know, a probiotic and, and I'm, I'm t- I just started taking those every day and I'm feeling really good. I'm like, that's fantastic. That's mm. wonderful. You know, good. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, if you've got your bases covered, um, which I know for some people, they'll be like, well, that sounds like a lot of pills. I'm like, well, you don't do all of those. But those are the ones that generally people cry on their own. Um, they've talked to friends, they read online, they saw a commercial, and they thought, oh, I could use probiotics for my, you know, intestinal health, or oh, I could use B vitamins because for whatever reason, I need, you know, energy or brain health or what hormones, what have you. Um, but I, f- what I would say as if it's not working, um, if you do want and need additional testing, that's when I would go see a naturopath or, you know, some sort of functional practitioner who's skilled in that. Because um, you mentioned earlier taking the supplement DIM, methane DIM, helps quite a bit mm. with phase one estrogen detoxification. It's really good for that. The problem with DIM is DIM is definitely not for everybody. And I say that because DIM will upregulate the two pathway, which I mentioned um, if, when it becomes neutralized and becomes the methoxy, that's actually quite protective. But if you can't neutralize, if you don't know, if you've never tested and you just heard me say, dim is good for estrogen and took it, Mm. you may actually end up doing more harm than good because if you upregulate your phase one and you don't do anything about your phase two because you just didn't know, what you'll Mm. do is you could end up with all of these um, adducts. Now, while they're more stable, they're less carcinogenic, they're not no carcinogenic, still have a risk. Mm. And the mm. other thing that DIM might do for some people is that it, in, it, well, all people, it increases the enzyme that's called a CYP1A1, and that's what pushes the two pathway. 
Unfortunately, though, that pathway, that 1A1 pathway, can also upregulate polyaromatic hydrocarbons right, from you know, pollution and stuff like that. And mm. they will form addicts. So if you're in a high pollution area or if you're around a lot of smoke or you're around a lot of traffic where there's lots of exhaust, so polyaromatic hydrocarbons, factories, those sort of things, yeah. and you're downing dim every day because you think you have an estrogen problem, you can actually be making more problems with your, those polyaromatic hydrocarbons as opposed mm. to your estrogen. So this is why I say to people, it's, yes, it's a nutraceutical and you can be very safe, but in some women, if you don't know because you didn't test or talk to somebody, you actually could do more harm than good. And, mm. and that's, that's where I'm like, that's where you need to see somebody, a naturopath or some sort of functional practitioner who, who can actually work it out. And the same goes for adrenal stuff. Most of the adrenal herbs are um, pretty good, you know, pretty safe. But there's some caveats to some things like licorice. If you take too mm. much licorice for too long, it can raise your blood pressure and potentially mm. can deplete your potassium. Mm. Um, there's a really uh, great adrenal herb called rhodiola. I love mm. rhodiola. It's generally safe, but it can be really drying. Well, if you're already menopausal and you have dry vagina and dry eyes and dry skin, and now you take rhodiola because you read on a website it's good for energy, it could make yourself drier. And for some women, it actually increases their anxiety as well because it's, it's rather potent. Mm. So now you're a dry woman with anxiety. <laughs> and <laughs> I, I can assure you. Yeah. I have told me. <laughs> that no woman, nobody wants that. Ain't nobody want an anxious dry woman. So. <laughs> no, or then there's like ashwagandha, which can make some people have a tendency to gain weight. Yeah. Which would be the opposite yeah. of what most people would be wanting heading into exactly. um, perimenopause. So I think that's exactly what I wanted to tease out. Just just a mindful awareness that yes. uh, really that you can never put a price tag on one-on-one -on -one advice from someone who has historic uh, evidence of having helped people in, right. uh, in an integrative way on these issues. Like, you know, just seeing someone for a couple of sessions so that you can just understand talk it all yeah. and yeah. understand everything and get a test done and get the results in is going to give you a much better way forward. And the, um, it, it'll probably save you money in, in the long run. You may feel mm. like it's expensive up front and that will put you off. But if you think about all the supplements and nutraceuticals that you have bought <laughs> mm. oh, and then yeah. it didn't work mm. or, you mm. know, you stopped using or, you know, you had a negative side effect, um, mm. then it, it, through the years, then you probably would spend similar depending on the person. And so if you go and see somebody and you get specific testing for you and, and I know I work for the Dutch test, but not everyone might need the Dutch test. Like other people might have to start like you, like mold testing, right? If you came to mm. me and said, I, my hormones are a mess, but I, I know I have mold. Should I test my hormones? I'd say probably no. I mean, not initially, like maybe address the mold and I bet the hormones settle themselves out at least 50% yeah. as you go through treatment. And other people will say, well, and I'm having all sorts of intestinal issues. I'm like, well, you might need a stool test instead. Or somebody else might say, everyone in my family has a thyroid problem. And as I'm getting older, I feel like I have all the same symptoms. Okay, well, that's a blood draw. Let's go get you a thyroid test. 
Mm. And so in that way, somebody can help navigate to let's not waste your money. Let's pinpoint what's good for you as an individual and, and peel back the layers of onion and go from there. Mm. And I really like what you touched on there with thinking about the kind of test that's going to give you the best ROI in terms of yes. really getting to the root of why maybe all the downstream stuff's happening in the first place. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. And, and sometimes you'd even have to start with testing. I mean, there's, there's going to be women listening who, will, who rightfully will say, you know what, before I do any of that, I should probably examine my my food, I should probably examine my lifestyle, I should probably cut out the alcohol, I should probably reduce the sugar, move my butt and get better sleep. And let's give it three months and see how much better I feel. And I guarantee mm. you they'll feel better. I mean if you just mm. you know, like if you eat more veggies, start exercising, get more sleep, hydrate, feel better. If you haven't been doing that. Yeah. There's there's no yeah. pill to replace that. You you know, you have to drink water, you have to get sleep, you should eat your vegetables. Mm. and I guarantee you will feel better yeah not perfect but better (laughs) yeah definitely and as frustrating as it can be when we're a product of this take a pill and forget Mm -hmm. about it society uh if we turn it around like I remember the reason I found not having junk food anymore so easy in the end was my own hack which was a which was deep diving into why those things suck mm-hmm. based on how they're made, who makes them, the values of the companies that make them, how much their CEOs own versus their little guy who's on the production line, um, you know, and all that kind of unfairness and disgustingness of that system was really what helped me change from thinking, oh, no, I shouldn't have another Malteser or I shouldn't have another Mars bar or whatever to as if I would touch that stuff and put my hard-earned dollars into fueling that system. Right. And I feel like um, when we do the tough work, when we actually learn how magical sleep is and those different phases of sleep, head back to show number three on this podcast with Dr. Fiona Kerr and she talks through deep REM light Mm -hmm. and the gift that each of those phases is giving us over the night. It's extraordinary what mm-hmm. our bodies are designed to do if we give them the right tools and then we see it as an act of love to move into all these beautiful new lifestyle changes instead of, oh, I've got to become one of those boring people and never going to have yeah. fun anymore. You know, that's when it doesn't work. That's when we still feel like we need to reach for a whole bunch of external stuff. Right. But, um, yeah. And, and the body is trying to tell us, I mean, since, since having this, this tracker ring, this aura ring, I mean, I found out, I mean, which is common sense, Carrie, but if I eat too late at night, if I have sugar at night and alcohol, which I never drank a lot of alcohol before bed to begin with, but what I did drink, if I drank even a glass of wine, my, I would watch my sleep plummet and I would feel it. And I thought, mm-hmm. I can't cheat myself. Like my body is literally like, this isn't working for me. So we're going to make your sleep crappy. Pay attention. Yeah. And I... It took this ring and this app to be like, oh, <laughs> yeah, to really wow, there it is. It. There I am. Like I did, I was perfect the night before and last night, but you know, I had chocolate and a glass of wine and I slept like crap and here it is. Mm. Okay. And you, I mean, is being informed, you can then, you know, choose to cheat you know, or whatever. Like you can, I can say to myself, you know what? It's my birthday. I'm going to have wine. 
screw it. I don't care that I'm not going to sleep or whatever. And, or yeah. other nights I'm going to be like, nope, I, sleep is really important to me. I'm going to have dinner by six. I'm not having, you know, sugar or which much to me is dark chocolate. Cause that's all I eat. And, mm-hmm. and then, and then like, you know, I don't drink that much anyway, but you know, like no alcohol tonight if I out or whatever. And so I can make these conscious decisions because now I'm informed and I know. Yeah. And it's easier to make the right decision when yes. you really have all the data. That's Especially- what when an I app is yelling at you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Can you imagine if it now, like it becomes so sophisticated that it has like a little camera that's watching like, do you really need that extra glass? It's like, whoa, what? <laughs> I know, I know. I wouldn't be surprised if it starts. Yep. <laughs> I'm going to start hearing it go, uh-uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Oh, gosh. Well, we could talk forever about this stuff, but I think we've covered quite a bit. And if, if women take just one thing away from this conversation, we've twisted and turned and, and covered quite a bit, what do you want them switching this podcast off from and heading into their week thinking about? Um, I want them to understand perimenopause so that they go if you're not in it yet, but headed there, or if you're in the middle of it, like you're not crazy. Now you understand the biochemistry of it. It's a real thing. Uh, Whoever designed it can suck it, but know that your body is reversing out of the reproductive years. And the more proactive you are in your health and the choices you make and, you know, the boundaries you set and the self-care you do, the better your transition is going to be. Mm, amazing such good advice thank you so much dr carrie jones always a pleasure chatting for you (laughs) likewise i love talking to you yay we'll have to do it again sometime yes thank you so much for listening to today's show i hope you enjoyed it as much as i enjoy having these conversations and bringing them to you now where can you find me and lotox life from here on in well you've obviously got lotoxlife.com And there we have everything beautifully organized into food, home, body, and mind topics, as well as kids, and a whole bunch of free downloadables and resources to help you, inspire you to take community action. And there's amazing A to Z recipes there if you're ever getting a little bit stale in the kitchen and a whole bunch of articles that I've written. You can also find me on Instagram at Lotox Life and also on Facebook by a page the same name. I make everything super easy, Lotox Life. So you can find it really, really simply. Thank you so much to everybody who leaves a five-star review over on Stitcher or iTunes or wherever it is that you tune into the show. And also to let you know that you can join us on Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Lotox Life and come join the private Lotox Life Club. In there, over time, more and more cool stuff is about to be added. It's a place where we can continue the conversations, chat about the weekly show, you're going to get bonus Q&A and all sorts of things over time. I explain everything over on Patreon, so I encourage you to check that out. And in the meantime, I'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.